identifying where God is at work, John's Gospel, chapter 5. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, which is called in the Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? Well, the sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. The Jews, therefore, said to him, who was who was cured, It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. And he answered them, He who made me well said to me, Take up your bed and walk. And then they asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, You have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. And the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Well, for this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father has been working until now, and I have been working. Therefore, the Jews sought all the more to kill him, because he not only broke the Sabbath, but he also said that God was his father and making himself equal with God. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do. And whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. For the father loves the son and shows him all things that he himself does, and he will show him greater works than these, that you all may marvel. A glorious account of a man that was ministered to 38 years is a long time to be in a, in a position where you feel like you have no life, you're a prisoner in a body, you can't go about doing anything. And Jesus' interaction with this man totally transformed his life. The man never really said, I, I, I really desire to be well, but it was said in the story that he foretold to Jesus. Jesus said, do you want to be well? And he said, of course. But he didn't say, of course, did he? He didn't say, yes, I want to be well. What he said is, every time I get close to the water after it's been stirred by the angel, there's always some rascal that's faster than I am. And so then he goes and he lays on his bed by one of those five pools, waiting for another opportunity for the water to be stirred. That is a terrible place to be in life. That is not the will of God. And so Jesus said, well, I've identified someone who wants to get well. And so he commanded him to take up his bed to rise and walk. And the man was instantly made well, took up his bed and began 
to walk out of that condition. Walked right back into society and was intermingling in the temple, intermingling with those that probably had come by and thought, what a horrible plight for these people to be in. 38 years, that's a long time to be trapped, to be imprisoned like that. And in a moment of time, Jesus made everything well. All things were restored. And he took up his mat and walked. Incredible, incredible story. And I'm so thankful that we can glean so many truths from this portion of Scripture and from this account with Jesus and this man. Jesus didn't do this to prove anything. Jesus did it because that's where the Father was working. He identified God at work, and that's where he worked. And the Jews got mad and began to question his intent and his motive and began to accuse him of breaking the Sabbath. Of course, Jesus has had this discussion with the religious leaders many times in his ministry that it wasn't breaking the Sabbath that he was doing. It was the works of his father that he was doing. And he was redeeming and restoring and making whole. He even shared accounts at times with those that were accusing him and, and uh, that even you guys, even, even you all, let your donkey go on the Sabbath so it can be loosed. And so this isn't his first conversation and his first confrontation with these people that were endeavoring to find fault with him and really desired to kill him. So where I want to go with this is from verse number 17 to verse 20. Jesus said, this is why I did what I did. This is the reason. This is what, this is why this whole thing happened. The reason I'm being accused is because I'm not doing what I want to do. I'm not going around ram, randomly picking someone and just proving something. I'm working where God is working. I identified my father at work and where he is working, that's where I'm working. And that is such a key and instrumental lesson for us to understand if we're going to experience God because many of us work where we want to work and then we ask God to work with us there. Instead of finding out where God is working and then that's where we work and then the proof that God is there is there's change. Now, there's not always instant change because sometimes it's a process. We might be the first person that identifies God at work in the life of a sinner. And that doesn't mean that sinner is going to come to Christ through our witness. But we were working where God was working and we were planting a seed. Someone else may come along and water it. All the while, God is still working in that person's heart. But now he has something to work with because someone's planted and someone's watered. So what can the Lord of the harvest do? He can bring fruit. So God was working around this pool, not just through the angel. Stirring the water. Jesus looking amongst the crowd identified a man that really wanted to get better. I'm not sure, you know, what everybody else, their motive or their intention was, or even how many people were at the pool. But Jesus said some very important things in verse 17 through 20. 
that it's important for us foundationally to really comprehend this and to understand it because I don't want my labor to be in vain. I don't believe you want your labor to be in vain. I don't want to just go about doing something that's good, but it's not God. I don't want to be working where God's not working. I don't want to be doing something that isn't going to be glorifying or pleasing to the Lord. Now, I'm going to say this. We're not always going to hit the mark in this particular area. But through the course of the next few minutes, I think there's going to be enough presented in Scripture that you're going to understand, I can get better at being an effective witness for Jesus than what I am right now. So here's the things that Jesus said in verse 17 through 20. Number one, the Father's at work. That tells us something. God is always at work. And he invites us into this work with him. Number two, the Father has called me to work with him. That was his calling. His calling was not to do his own will, but the will of the one who sent him. That's our calling. Not to do our will, but to learn how to do the will of God and learn how to work with God. All right, number three, I do nothing of my own initiative. He didn't initiate this. He identified it. There's a big difference between us initiating something and us identifying where God is at work. How did he identify it? He asked a question. You want to get better? Jesus asked a lot of questions in regards to what people wanted. And then he could identify whether the Lord was at work or not. Isn't it interesting? Sometimes we assume people want something and they may not even be wanting or asking for that. But we assume maybe because we want it for them, they want the same thing. So we have to be we have to be aware of that number Number four, Jesus says, I do what I see my father doing. I work where my father is working. And here's maybe something that is really important to this. My father loves me. And it's important for you to know that God loves you. Not because you're working where he's working. He says, my father loves me. And because he loves me, I want to respond to that love by identifying where he's working Get involved in that work and allow him to work in that person's life. Number, the last one is, the father shows or reveals to me where he is at work at. I'm under, and you're under no obligation unless you can see God at work. Now we need to be looking. John's Gospel chapter 14, John's Gospel chapter 14 And the reason I'm going here is, if you're like me, you read this story, and this is a real account between Jesus and an individual who was paralyzed for 38 years, or lame or maimed. We feel disqualified automatically, because we're talking about Jesus. And we say to ourselves, I'm not Jesus. And I say... That's right. There's only one Jesus. But in a sense, there's a lot of little Jesus around because of Jesus. I'm not Jesus Christ. There's only one Jesus Christ, and he's Lord. But there's a lot of followers of Jesus Christ. There's a lot of little Jesus 
people all around the world. That's what being a Christian is. I am a little Jesus. I'm not Jesus, but I have the spirit of Jesus. I have the love of Jesus. I have uh, the nature of God. So this is what Jesus taught us in John's Gospel, chapter 14, when it comes to doing his work. Most assuredly, verse 12, I say to you, he who believes in me, can I get a witness? Okay. He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. Now, that that flips my boat. That upends my apple cart. Because I just read about something he did, and I think to myself, hold on. He's saying if I believe in him, the same works that he did, I'm going to do. Now think with me for a minute. Was Jesus taking initiative here when he healed the man at the pool of Bethesda? No, he was identifying where God was working. He he took no initiative. He went there and didn't have an agenda to raise anybody up. What he had an agenda to do was to try to identify where the father was at work. And where the father was at work, that's where he worked. And the father was revealing that he was working in this man. And so with that man, he had a conversation. Now, this has happened to you, whether you understand it or not. Have you ever had a conversation with someone and it felt like, all right, that wasn't me having that conversation with them. The Lord was definitely at work in that conversation. God was working in that conversation at that time. Has that ever happened to you? Okay. Would you like to be more consistent in that happening to you? You know what that's called? Encountering God. Where do you encounter God? Where you want to encounter him or where he's already working? Where he's already working. So if we get better at identifying where he's working, we get better at experiencing God and encountering God. Okay, let me give you a caveat. I don't mean to put a weight on your back or a burden on you, but God really desires to use you. Yeah, you. And me. He really desires to use us. But in order for us to be used, we have to understand where we're most useful. I'm not useful working apart from God. Are you useful working apart from God? How much fruit comes from that? Help me. Come on. Zero. Usually what comes from that is frustration. Well, I'm not going to do that again. You know, last time I stepped out and I thought it, and it just egg on my face. Now, I'm not saying everyone's always going to respond positively. But at least that person won't be able to say someone didn't help me. Someone wasn't trying to serve me. Someone wasn't ministering to me. And people always remember those people that tried to help them when they really do hit bottom. I don't know how many phone calls I've gotten throughout the years from people that I 
really believed that I was go, supposed to go talk to. And the conversation, unfortunately, didn't go where I desired for it to go. But that doesn't mean that God wasn't done. It means that Doug was done and I needed to walk away. And when I walked away, I don't know how much more pain they had to encounter. But pretty soon, they hit bottom. When I was talking to them, they weren't at bottom yet. They were somewhere in the, you know, I'm going to sow wild oats and I'm going to sow to the flesh and I'm going to have fun because Scripture does say that sin is fun for a season. And when I was part of their life and their conversation, I was trying to throw up roadblocks and detours to keep them from going down that path too long because the end of sin is death. And I was saying it looks great now. But you don't want the wages that the lifestyle that you're living is going to pay because it 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 pays in death. No, no, you're crazy. You're you're not. You're lost your brains. But then, when the chickens came home to roost, I've gotten a lot of phone calls back. I don't know what bottom is for some people. I have a shallow, like bottom to me is like boop. All right. Yes, God, you got my attention. You know, some people's like, boop, 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 like a submarine going down, submerging in water, you know, 10,000, you know, fathoms under the sea, whatever it is. And that, that was, that was never my personality. Now, I will say this because, of course, you know, your pastor's not perfect. The most trouble probably I ever got into with my mother And you know how I feel about my mom. It's not because of what my mother had asked me to do. It's because of the disobedience that my brother displayed and the spanking he got. I thought that was awesome. And you know what happened. I was next in line. I... I... I only got spanked a couple times, but I got spanked with my brother dozens of times. Thanks, Steve. So Jesus said that we were working it. Let's continue to read here. Whatever you ask in my in, in verse 12. And the works that I do, he will do also and greater works than these he will do because I go to the, my father. That's. That's that's a promise. Now, the greater works, of course, we mean not in in quality, but in quantity. There's just more of us. That's why I say there's a lot of little Jesuses around. We are ambassadors for the Lord Jesus Christ. We are heirs and joint heirs. We are the sons and daughters of God. We are kings and priests unto our God. These are all redemptive titles that belong to us. We are his offspring, his beloved. And and so there's a lot of little Jesus people around. And what we need to be understanding is identifying where God is working and be Jesus in that moment to those people. Represent Jesus to those people at that time in word and in deed. And whatever he asks us to do, we do it. Whatever he asks us to do. One more verse. Romans 8 and verse 14. 
in regards to us being the children of God and God working through us. It says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So we, as the children of God, as sons and daughters, are to be led by the Spirit of God. Where would God be leading his children? Where he's working. That's where he wants to lead us. He wants to lead us where he's working. So God is actively at work redeeming the lost world to himself, and he chooses to involve his children in carrying out his redemptive plans. That's very humbling for us. So we have to know that God is always at work, always active. So we need to watch. We need to be observant for where God is at work. We need to recognize where God is at work. And we need to begin to position ourselves in those places so that his redemptive work can be done in other people's lives. So this recognition of where God is at work, it occurs more than what we ever imagine. There's more God moments in our life because the Father is always working than what we have even, what we can even fathom. Now, not all of those God moments may be specifically designed for us. But there's God moments going on all around us. John's Gospel, Chapter 1. This is Jesus, again, identifying where God is at work. Verse 43, John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 43. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip, and he said to him, follow me. And Philip was from Bethesda, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael, and he said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote Jesus uh, of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said, Come and see. So Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no deceit or no guile. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? And Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And Nathanael answered and he said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God, you are the king of Israel. And Jesus answered and said to him, Behold, I say to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? And you will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, Hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. So he said, So this is, this is a, a, a great, another great in, moment in Jesus' ministry where he got up and he really felt, and Jesus never just got up and went anywhere apart from the will of the Father. We understand that. So he really felt it was necessary on this particular day to go into this particular city. And he ran into Philip and he ran into Andrew. And then from that, Nathaniel came into the conversation. And when Nathaniel was approaching Jesus, Jesus, you know, just said something that just took Nathaniel back a few steps. And he said, you know, here's, hey, here's your friend. Man, he's really a quality guy. I mean, he's really a good person. This this person isn't a, 
this isn't a troublemaker. He has no guiles. There's no deceit in him. And it really threw Nathaniel off. And he was like, I don't, hey, have we met? I don't even know you. And he said, yeah. He said, the other day I was just here and I was just observing you. And I just, through observation, I was really impressed with who you are. You know, first impressions really can make an impression. This is quite a first impression. And so from this, from this, uh, Nathaniel identifies, this is God. This is God. And, and you, and he's just overwhelmed. He just experienced, he just experienced, you know, God in his life. But Jesus, Jesus perceived something about Nathaniel before he ever met Nathaniel. And he waited for the moment in which God set it up. And then he talked to Nathaniel. He didn't, he didn't go to him the day that he saw him standing over to the side and say, hey, what's your name? Yeah, man, you really look like a good guy. It was another day at another time, and then Nathaniel came up to him, and he said, hey, I've, I've seen you before. Now, I don't know if that's ever happened to you. It's happened to me several times in my lifetime, and it's happened through me several times. And there's been times where I'm out and about in our community. I'll use our community as an example. And years ago, there was a couple and they were at Cone Corner. And I was there to get an ice cream cone, so I thought, being led by the Spirit, of course. Being led by the Spirit to Cone Corner to get an ice cream cone, I was going. Oh, really, I was being led by my belly. But as I went, there was a couple that was sitting over at a table and they had two young children with them. And I looked over there and saw him, and then I just ordered my ice cream cone. And then while I'm waiting to get my order, I'm just sort of looking and surveying Cone Corner. And I look back over at them, and I can't help but just keep being drawn to them. And I didn't want to create an awkward moment. But the second or third time I went over there, I said, Lord, what are you doing? He said, they'll be a part of the church. Just let me do it. I said, okay. So I got my ice cream cone and left. A month later, I saw them. They came up and they said, we hear that you're a new pastor in town. I said, I am. And they said, we'd like to talk to you about a few things. I said, absolutely. And I said, can I say something to you? And they said, yeah. I said, you're welcome to come to church. They both started crying. They said, how did you know what we were going to ask you? I said, I knew a month ago. I was just sort of waiting. God said, you'd be a part of this church. I saw you a month ago at Cone Corner. This happened to me. It happens. There's someone right now in our community, and um, it's. It, I see God at work. If someone else was to maybe look at it just from a natural standpoint, it looks like they're a million miles from God. Let me remind you, Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand. One step towards God it just changes someone's life. So I was just, I'm just waiting, I'm just waiting. Praying because I want to work where God is working. So I've already had a few conversations with them and everyone told me that like they were the most challenging, difficult person to talk to. They aren't responsive, aren't warm, aren't kind, aren't welcoming. I found just the opposite. 
And I don't always hit the nail on the head, folks. But I am starting to clue in as I get a little bit older that it's better to identify where God is working and work there. So I'll give you a few, a few practical and biblical examples of this. I just wanted you to see that it happens all through Scripture. This wasn't Jesus just randomly picking 12 people because they, he would eventually do that. But it was all part of him vetting a process of seeing where God was working and then him working within those parameters. He just didn't come to do his own will. He came to do the will of the one who sent him. So that's why it is good to pray. Thank you, Lord, for directing my steps. Thank you for helping me open my eyes to, to help me to see where you're working. But I want to help you, first of all, to recognize something that is absolutely crucial to this process is that you can't want to be seen and heard because that's an ego issue. You cannot want to be seen and heard. You want God to be seen and heard. You cannot want the credit. And you can't take the credit. And you cannot want someone to change who isn't willing to change either. But you can work where God is working. And you know, sometimes God works in pain. And we get a little concerned about dealing with pain because we don't want to compound it. And I understand that. But sometimes God is working in the midst of people's pain to try to get them to be a little bit closer to him. So focus on your relationship with the Lord. That's really where all of this begins, is you and I first have to have a foundation in our life. We have to have that confidence and assurance that God loves us, that he's accepted us, that he's invested in us, and he continues to do so. So if he does that for us, why wouldn't he do it for others? And he doesn't do that just by himself. He does it through the lives of multitudes of people and different seasons and different circumstances. He's always working. Sometimes we just need to say, God, just show me where you're working and I'll work there. So the first step really is to understand we don't want or shouldn't want any of the credit. And if there's any of that in us, we have to ask the Lord to uproot it out of us. I don't want to be seen and heard. I I don't want to be the one that gets credit or recognition. I, I want God to be honored and glorified and praised and to receive the glory for this. And that that's really so crucial. And then I have to really be determined and intentional that I want a relationship with God, which means this. I first and foremost, before I probably will ever be able to effectively see where God is at working in somebody else, I need to find out where he's working in me. And that's one of the things I'm going to ask you to really think about. Where is God working at you? Where where do you sense his redemptive hand? Redemptive hand, not condemning. He's not a condemning God. Where is he redemptively trying to restore and strengthen and make whole and help serve you? 
Where's God trying to break chains off, barriers off, burdens off, chronic issues, improper thinking? Where's he working in you? And he's only working really in one place. We might identify ten areas in our life we want him to fix like that. Um, But that's not really how he works. He works step by step by step. And one step leads to another, leads to another. So we have to, first of all, identify where he's working in us. And he's working for his good and for his glory. And it creates within us a confidence and an assurance that potentially we could help serve somebody else. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.